Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to this Failed Critics Star Wars The Last Jedi special. I am Steve Norman. I am joined by Paul Field. Afternoon, fellas. Not evening. No, afternoon. And Dave Valentine. Good evening. I did the same thing. Good afternoon, fellas. No, Uh, it is dark, nearly. Yeah, Yeah, it's getting there. The sun is setting both on today and this, this podcast. I can see the adventure. I can see Um, two sun settings from where I am. Uh, but yeah, so this is our last Jedi special. Obviously, we've done a Star Wars special each year the last two years before this, when we've had the Force Awakens and Rogue One. So we've done exactly the same today, and we've got rid of the miserable fun sponge Owen, who doesn't like Star Wars. For this episode, we are going to do our usual Star Wars quiz. We are going to review the Last Jedi, and that review will contain spoilers. And then we're just going to do as we've had five years of failed critics, and it is seemingly, sadly, coming to. A pretty much an end we're going to do our um five favorite films of the last five years and our one worst film as well shall i do a quiz steve yeah go on then right boys a real simple one this is just gonna, he's going to take it in turns answering questions and uh if you get it if you don't get it right it will pass to your opponent to pick up a bonus point so really simple so dave Hello. Would you like to go first or would you like to go second? I would like to go first, please. Okay. How many languages is C-3PO fluent in? It's... I'm fluent in over four million forms of communication. That is not correct. So, today, uh, Steve, early chance for you to uh, get a bonus point here. I'm sure he says in one of the, the, one of the original films... He's fluent in over six million. Yes, well done, Steve. So, um, Steve, your question. Which character is partially named after George Lucas's son? I'm not uh, narrowing it down any more than that for you, unfortunately. Um, I have no idea, so I'm going to take a wild guess at Finn. No. Dave, any ideas? No, that's a good guess. This is, this is a question I've never actually heard before. I'm guessing it's going to be the prequel or new trilogy. Actually, probably not new trilogy. Trilogy might be prequel. Oh, it is one of the prequels. Oh God, uh, who was new? Uh, oh, uh, how about Mace Windu? No, it's the um, it's Dexter Jetstar. Oh Jesus! The Do you know wor- who that is the worst character in the whole of Star Wars? <laughs> The one who owned the, the one who owned the diner. diner. That's him. Oh God! Oh that. And George Lucas named that after his child. I think his son must be called Dexter. Oh, oh well. Okay. Well. Right, 
Dave, Hello. back to you. Um, which film does the camera pan back up the crawl at the beginning of? It only happens once in the original six films. It does. But which of those six films does it pan back up the crawl? Revenge of the Sith. Is not the right answer, Steve. Chance to steal. Is it... Is it Empire Strikes Back? No, it's not. It's Attack of the Clones. No wonder no one remembered that. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Right, um, Steve, in the original Star Wars film, how many drewbacks are there in the scene where R2 R2 and C-3PO first land in the desert? What, in like the original version? In the original, because there's a change in number... For the special edition, yeah, he wanted. He obviously added stuff, but how many of those drewbacks were there in the original? The original, just one. Not correct, Dave. Do you want to have a guess? What, sorry, what's a drewback? The the animals that the stormtroopers are riding. Oh, those things with the big tusks. Like the dinosaur thing. Yeah, they look like, oh, a, like an elephant uh, type uh, of thing. Uh, yeah, two of them. There are two of them. That's a point each. I'm going to give a bonus point question here. First one to shout out the right answer. How many were there in the special edition? Five. Yes, Steve. Well done. So, uh, whose question is this? Is it yours, isn't it, Dave? Yes. What was the original name of the first Star Wars film? Is it The Adventures of Luke Starkiller? It is The Adventures of Luke Starkiller. Well done, Dave. That's two points all. It's tight. Steve. Yes. You're, you're, you're good on vehicles in the Star Wars universe. Okay. What does AT-AT stand for? Uh, all-Terrain Armoured Transport. It does indeed stand for All-Terrain Armoured Transport. Well done. You take the lead. Dave, this is another numbers one. This is a tricky one. Right. There's probably either a, you either know or you don't know because I imagine guessing is going to be quite difficult. Okay. But what odds does 3PO give Han of navigating an asteroid field? It's... 3,420 to 1. Oh, that's not correct. It's close, though, isn't it? It's really close. Is it like 3,600 and something? Oh, you're really close, but both of you are wrong. It's (laughs) 3,720. To be fair, I'm impressed, Dave, that you got even close. Um, Steve. I've I've had worse accumulators than that, though. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, none of them have come in. No. Um, Steve, this is your one, I believe. You're three to up at the moment. In Jedi, who is Lando Calrissian's co-pilot in the Millennium Falcon? The, the mate using these ones, near numb. Bloody hell, that's a really good answer, there, and it's absolutely right. Well done. Sorry to Mr. Numb if I pronounced his name it's wrong. near numb. Yeah. One like the jowly face. Yeah, that's it, yeah, because yeah. everyone could picture him. I wouldn't yeah. have known his name until I, I, was, I was researching earlier, doing questions. Dave. He was my favourite um, boy as a kid, Neen Oh, did you know it as well? I knew that, yeah, I loved I loved Neen I, I didn't know his name. Strange how they can get him back for these films, but not Lando. <laughs> like, he, he's turned up, Lando's fucked right off. Do you think he's, like, been... Do you think Lando's been sex-pesting or something? I, th- I think he's U-treed. <laughs> you reckon? Space, space U-tree. Has he, has he been fiddling with some younglings? Yeah. I think he'll be back in the next one. You think? Yeah. I, yeah, I had that same thought. Because now, well, we'll come on yeah. to it later, but yeah, I think he'll be back. But anyway, let's do some quizzing. Dave, yes. I think you're going to get this, but what 
is the name of Boba Fett's ship? Slave One. It is Slave One. I'm all about the Which, old school. It's, Steve, you're still in the lead 4-3, running out of questions. But, Steve, I think you're going to get this. Who is Anakin's main rival in the pod race? Uh, Sebulba. Is Sebulba. Dave, you need to get this. Have you seen, Dave, the Star Wars holiday special? Was that the question? Yeah, yes, I have. Just, Correct answer. Just, just, just have, you, have you seen it? Yes, well yes. done, one point. Well, if you remember back to the Rogue One podcast last year, yes, I... I, I saw it years and years ago, but I tried to rewatch it again last year, but it made me feel a bit nauseous. So, yes, I have seen it. Are you ready for the question? Go on. What date is Wookiee Life Day? <laughs> is it December 25th? It's not December the 25th. Do you want to have a guess, Steve? Pancake Tuesday. No, it's November the 17th, apparently. There you go. Well, they have November the 17th in space. Well... Mate, if you've seen the Star Wars holiday special, you'll know that's the least of its worries. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Steve, I'm going to be seriously impressed if you get this, but where was Luke originally headed to to pick up some power converters? He was going to mm-hmm. the Toshi station. <laughs> that is correct. Great, Steve. Bloody hell! Did you know that, Dave? No, he's going to meet up. He's going to meet up with Biggs, wasn't he? How did you know that? I, I am seriously impressed that you knew that. Because I'm not a nerd or a geek in any way, except when it comes to Star Wars, and it's the only thing. It's weird because it's not the kind of thing that I do. I don't like. I'm not. You know, I like sci-fi and that, but I'm not like a sci-fi nerd. I, but it's just with Star Wars, I know stuff. Blimey, Dave! Which month were the first six Star Wars films all released in? In this country or in America? In, in, in America, yeah. Because yeah. obviously now they're always released in December, but that yeah, wasn't the case previously. It's a new tradition that they're, filmed, that they're set in, released in December in this country and around the world. So, yeah, originally, what was it May? It was May. Yeah. Pulled a point back. May the 4th. Exactly. Is that, is that intentional, do we reckon? No, it can't be. Steve? Yes? What species is Yoda? Um... It's never been revealed in canon. It has never been revealed. But there was another one in the prequels. There's a there's a girl Yoda Jedi in mm-hmm. the council, but they've never said what species it actually is. Well, that that was that was the last question, and I have to say, you've absolutely romped home, Steve. Seven points to Dave's four. Oh well, wow. Steve. Did you did you have a tie break? I did. The should we, should three... we do it? Because it's a shame for you to actually go through that trouble and not to ask I, him. Absolutely. The first three days takings for Last Jedi to the nearest million. How much? Go on, Dave. Three days. Four hundred and twelve. Seven hundred and thirty-one. No, it's two hundred and fifteen. Right. Which is still a lot. I guess it is. And up. That's still like record-breaking kind of numbers. Yeah, in three days, actually, yeah, that is a hell of a lot. Well done, Steve. Good quiz and a good quiz. Thank you. Yeah, always, always a good quiz from Paul. I'm just, I'm still in shock that you got some of those right because they were, they were quite tough. You, you, I mean, you, you find a difficult Star Wars quiz while we're doing this. I'll try and do another one at the end. You know, to give, come out with some answers. I, I, I'm pretty good with it. I, that and, I, fo- that I, and football. I researched and some of the questions came from like, you know, the world's toughest Star Wars quiz. To be fair, one of the ones I went on uh, for the like really tough quizzes 
um, had questions involving everything that was canon. From, so all the all previously all those all those books and stuff. Yeah. And I was looking at like you know the um, name put these battles in order of date. And, you know, five of the battles I'd never heard of, very yeah. much seven on the list. To put those seven in order, I was like, whoa. Yeah. Like if, you, if, you ask me like, if you ask me, like, technical stuff about the films being made and that, no chance. But if you ask me, like, actual stuff about the films and the plots and the characters, for some reason, it, that that and football trivia, I'm a fucking ace on. That's interesting, Steve, because I'm pretty much the opposite. I know much more about the, the behind-the-scenes stuff than I do about the expanded universe and all the characters and things. Let's see, if, we, if, we, if there's ever a Star Wars quiz with some good money, we'll join up that and yeah. we'll... We'll nail it between us. We won't because there'll be some proper geeks. Oh, Although I did read something recently, something about the canon. You know IG-88, the yeah. skeletal bounty hunter robot? Yeah. In one of the books, he, you know Bosk, the other bounty hunter? Yeah. IG-88 went to Bosk's wedding, and that's my favourite canon fact. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to look because I was doing research earlier, and one of the questions I need, which didn't make the the cut, you know those, um, you know where all the bounty hunters are lined up in Empire. Yeah. yeah. One of them is wearing a costume recycled from a TV show. Ooh. Does anyone know which Ooh. TV show? Um, Doctor Who. It is Doctor Who. I suppose that makes sense because they were they were all shot here, weren't they, in the UK? Yeah. Yeah. What was that? What, what? What was this, like some random... Just a Dalek hanging around. Alien. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember his name. I, I think I had him as a toy. I think he's the guy in orange. Oh. Oh. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah. On to The Last Jedi. It picks up pretty much straight off the bat where The Force Awakens ended, with your Force Awakens from two years ago. Uh, so Ray has found Luke Skywalker and um, has gone to, to seek him out, A, to get training from him and B, to get him back to help the rebellion, resistance. Um, and the, the the First Order had their, their ultimate Death Star thing destroyed, but they are still a pretty uh, intimidating force and a working their way on wiping out the, the Republic and the Resistance. And that's what kind of where we pick off, start off. That huge opening battle scene. Yeah. Got to say, that was, it was really impressive. It was. It was exciting and it was it was impressive. It looked good and, yeah, that's, that was kind of what Star Wars should be. Yeah. I mean, so to open it, it was, it was great. Yeah, excellent opening scene. Although before the before the battle, we had a little bit of comedy, courtesy of Poe Dameron. Yes, which was there was a like a like a, a murmur went round the cinema when I saw it, thinking that's a weird way to open it. But then mm. we all went with it, and it was pretty funny. Now I've seen some criticisms of it, saying it's very modern humour put into a Star Wars film, but I thought it worked. I thought. I thought, well, I mean, we might as well talk about the, the humour in this one in general, um, because, yeah, they, they've always had, all Star Wars films have always had funny parts or intentions of, of humour in it. Um, I thought it worked really well in The Force Awakens and Rogue One, but it just seemed to be 
there seemed to be a lot of it in The Last Jedi. There seemed to be a lot of... It was almost like watching a Marvel film in so much as there was lots of quips and jokes of that nature, which work in those films for the most part. But it just seemed like some of the jokes in this and the one-liners and the sight gags were funny, but it just seemed like they were laying it on a bit bit thick. I think it, it, it didn't quite work all the time. I think it was completely intentional. Everyone went in thinking it's going to be a dark one like Empire was but they did a bit of misdirection and it was a lot lighter than we all thought it was going to be it definitely had its dark moment it certainly did but I, yeah. for me almost all of the humour worked I was really pleased with it yeah really I was I'm I'm the opposite end of the scale I did I did not it's set in a galaxy far far away and I'm guessing if you compare it to Earth timelines way way in the future jokes about being on hold like from you know a, a sitcom setting Basingstoke in the seventies, I just did. I didn't appreciate that. And I, the one I really, really hated was the where he duck, like the brushes his shoulder off. I, I don't want to have like our world gags in the Star Wars universe. It does. That's that's not a thing. That really pulled me out of it. Well, I think I did. I did think it. it was funny when he chucked the lightsaber away. Though when Ray pass it to him and he just hoid it over his shoulder well I've got an interesting thought on that because did either of you two see rewatch Force Awakens going into Last Jedi yes yes did you see it immediately before because I did the double bill I went to the cinema saw Force Awakens then there was a 20 minute gap then we did Last Jedi so I watched it on Friday so so and when did you see Last Jedi yesterday Saturday Saturday yeah okay so Yes, it is quite a funny scene, but then there is that jarring moment that end, the end of The Force Awakens was so dramatic and um, it was like, like a monumental moment. Everything had been built into that. Cut to him tossing the lightsaber over his shoulder. And again, it was a little bit unexpected and I had some unusual feelings about Luke, but then it occurred to me, well, he's just being Yoda in Empire, just being a bit spooky yeah. and eccentric. Yeah, and, once I- and he's been and he's been isolated on his own with some weird aliens that he milks. Oh, <laughs> that yeah. was not, not literally. That's a completely different film, which that that will actually be in the parody version. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> should we should we move on to the island then? Obviously, yeah. We've done the opening battle, which was immense. I loved all the stuff, especially the bombers. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the 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 visual for all those bombs and stuff I thought was was really cool as well although I'm sure militarily and practically that's uh-huh. probably not going to work. I mean we've got we've got actually come on to, to, to something direct a couple of things directly from this battle. So from this battle we lost um, Admiral Akbar and a lot of the high command of the resistance, but yeah. we also had flying Leia. Yeah, that really annoyed me as well. That was that was rubbish. <laughs> I thought, oh, they've seen her off early then. Because, well, yeah, you know, yeah. she's no longer with us in real life. I thought, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, they've, 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 they've binned her off early and, and back I, she came. Yeah. Because <laughs> that, that death didn't that death didn't work for me. It didn't... When I saw her, I thought, well, that's a... Because I thought that was it, like you did. I thought, but I thought, that's a bit of a rubbish way to get rid of her. There's not really any... There's no, you know... There's no great moment like, like Han being killed off in The Force Awakens. It was his his son killed him off just at the moment he was he was about to bring his son back. It you know it, it was quite a big moment and it felt big. It felt kind of, if you're going to kill off a character of that nature, it felt like a good way to do it. And then that happened. And then she woke up in in the void of space and then started flying like Mary Bloody Poppins. Yeah. 
all she needed was a brolly and it would have been and it just didn't it didn't feel very Star Warsy, did it? Because no one's ever no. survived in space before. But she is also a, a Force user and yeah. sort of Darth Vader, so she's very, very strong with it. And we don't know yeah. what she's been doing in the last. 20 no, years. but it's just, it's just, it's just that bit of her using the Force to to get back in from space into the ship. Fine, there's a concept. Yeah, I'm sure she's must be really Force sensitive because of her family and Luke probably taught her a thing or two before he went missing before he went away you know that that whole idea of that is fine it's just the way it looks yeah it looks it looks shonky it looks awful everything slowed down and then she started yeah. freezing and then she flew back up i wasn't completely keen on it but again i just went with it yeah um but yeah so then we had luke um you know on his on his island in exile ray finds him this is this is a carbon well not carbon copy but this is the same template as as when luke goes to um i can't remember the name of the planet where he where he meets dagobah Dagobah. Dagobah. yeah yeah Um, and a lot a lot of the same things happen there because you had um where you had the x-wing crashed underwater that we saw yep that That was a nod i was expecting that to be i was waiting for it to come out but i but yeah. sadly not. You had some you had some cave where the dark side is kicking up. Yep. And the, the the young apprentice goes into the cave and has some kind of vision. Um we even get Yoda, which was great. Yep. Being a being a bit of a dick. But we didn't get a we didn't get a training montage. No. No, which which was a shame. I mean, everyone loves a montage. We didn't, yeah. we didn't get that. But I thought it was quite good because you could you could see I thought Luke was uh, Mark Hamill was great in this this film. Oh yeah, I thought he was brilliant. When you see him in the, when you see him in the original films and you see him in this film and you think, why haven't he had much work? Because he's, he's Luke Skywalker. Because he's yeah, because he's pretty good. Like <laughs> in, in this, he's really good at play. You know, he, he plays this really conflicted person who's withdrawn himself from from everything, and he's had all this trauma and he's. You know, it's, all this bad stuff has happened, and you can see how withdrawn he is, how he's struggling with everything, how he's struggling with being, effectively at that point, the last Jedi. How the order under him collapsed, how his nephew turned to the dark side and destroyed everything that he had built, how he's been isolated for so long on his own, and then how he kind of comes back to the forefront, how he comes back to, to believing in himself and believing in Ray and you know it's, it's, it's a really good performance from Mark Hamill and Luke Luke really comes on through this film like, I really. was, yeah you're absolutely right mate he was really good but what they because um, there's, there's a scene or two scenes there where you get two sides of a story with what happened yeah. with, with Luke and Kylo I that didn't seem that believable to me either of them to be fair I felt that was a bit clunky in its storytelling the thing, the thing was, I found with this film. I, I like the film. I think it's a good film. It's not a great film. I like The Force Awakens and Rogue One more, I'd say. But there's a lot of good things in this film. I don't think any of the characters were, were bad um, or, or bad characters. But some of the the plots in the film uh, or the storylines and some of the things that the characters did were 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 not so great. So, it, I mean, like that bit, I was fine with. But if you look at Finn and Rose as as characters 
I thought they were quite good. I mean, I love Finn from from The Force Awakens. I thought Rose was okay, but their side plot was 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 prequel level stuff and just uninteresting and ultimately pointless. Yeah. Yeah, completely pointless. Um, should, should we try? Let's try and sort of run through the the film as the kind of plot develops. So we've had the the opening battle. We've gone to the island. Yoda obviously appears. Any any he thoughts does. on uh, on Yoda appearing? I was it really was not expecting it, it. I was really really pleased to see Yoda, and especially because he seemed much more puppet like than he did. Well, yeah, it was. It, I think it was good to see puppety Yoda, and a lot of it seems a lot of more. There's a lot more practical effects in this than there was in the prequel. So those little caretaker people on the island Luke was on, they were like animatronic, but they weren't CGI. And a lot of the kind of aliens, you know, near numb and upright, they seem to be more. Uh, you know, um, practical effects rather than CGI. So I just think it. I think it just looks better. Exactly. I think and one that's... of the issues with when he when he appears is the the motivation for him being there. In that they they make a big deal of this Jedi temple with the books in. Yeah. But in the, in the previous films, this has never been mentioned. You're suddenly introduced to this thing, and then it's destroyed within ten minutes. So it doesn't. Well, do you never, know what I mean? There wasn't. He... Yeah, you've never. I mean, none of the films have ever really looked at the the history of the the Jedi like long term. Like, um, if it had been touched upon in the first three films, for example, this this you know this mythical yeah. Jedi temple or library, whatever it might be, that you you know is, is mentioned even in passing, and then it's revealed to be in this film, but it it, it wasn't. This is the first we've heard about it, and then it's gone straight away. Yeah, I, sp- I suppose it's symbolic of him saying the Jedi have to end, and well, maybe. So you know, uh, but then, I mean, we find out at the end of the film that somehow the, the books survived. So did we see that? Did you both see catch that? No. It's on the Millennium Falcon at the end of the film. So after Ray had rescued everybody on the the Falcon. Mm-hmm. Got them all out of the resistance base and rescued them. Some, I think, Finn opened a, a drawer or a cupboard or something to, to retrieve something for somebody, and I can't remember what it was, what it was for. But in that drawer, you could see all the books that were in, the, oh, in okay. that temple. So those, those, I, I don't know who got them out. I don't think it was Lou. Whether it was Yoda being a knob or Ray taking them before she left Luke on his own. Ah, uh, yes, that was in the in the script notes. Yoda being a knob. <laughs> He, he was he was a bit though, wasn't he? Yeah. It was it was like you know when he, when you first see him in Empire Strikes Back, and he's just he's just winding Luke up because Luke doesn't know who he is. Just thinks he's some annoying little alien creature. And he's just winding him up. But it was so nice to see him back though, and Frank Oz's voice is something so nostalgic mm. about him. And I mean, I did think we might get another Force Ghost, and I, but then I just thought, how are you going to do it? Because if you want. Um, if you want to do Obi Wan Kenobi, you've got to go with Ewan McGregor. You can't do Alec Guinness, obviously. Why but not? why not? Why not? Well, I suppose you could see they been, did it with yeah, so they could years. now. Yeah, you can see, um, and with with that horse ghost uh, blue glow around them, you, you yeah, could probably cut a few corners and get away with a few things. I mean, Alec Guinness would literally turn in his grave about being pulled oh, yeah. back into it now. But yeah, but he went to he went to his grave a very very wealthy man thanks to something that he hated. So he, that's true. And it's, it's um, come from someone that loves Alec Guinness. And then I thought you can't do um, Darth Vader or Anakin because you'd have to bring back Hayden Christensen, and you. Well, he ain't <laughs> doing anything. Well, no, he's got nothing on, has he? <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> Hang on, let me let me just check his diary for you. Nope, he's free. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I thought that I thought that was one of the best bits of the film was the whole bit on the island with Luke and him training Ray and and what do we think of Ray and Kylo Ren communicating each other through the Force across I liked, time, I liked space? It. I thought thought it worked. Yeah, it's a side of the Force that we've not seen before. And we have, well, we have, we have, we have in bits because when when Luke was on Bespin calling out to, to Leia, and then when they were both in Return of yeah. Jedi, they're both on uh, him and Vader were on different ships, kind of communicating with each other. Something we've seen, but not over that, that vast distance. The way it was actually portrayed, the, the way they could almost they could actually see each other, I thought it was done in a very interesting, different way. Yeah. No, I preferred the again not to be you know miserable, but I I preferred the old way where it was just words and, and vagueness and, and glimpses of what might be happening. All of a sudden, they've put up mobile phone masks and they've got, you know, all-you-can-eat data and they're having a chat over FaceTime. Oh. I, I didn't I didn't buy into that at all. That's not how it's ever been portrayed before, the way you can communicate through the Force. It's always been little snatches or glimpses or, you know, your awareness of somebody being there, never full-on complicated conversations. It's very, very so that- But the problem is... That- uh, the Force Awakens got criticised so much for not doing anything new, and I've seen The Last Jedi get criticised for doing too many different things. So I think yeah. it is a, an interesting situation in which they found themselves. <laughs> and so, so, sorry, so, so after that, we uh, Ray leaves the island or, the, or the, that planet, Acto, that planet was called as well, um, for, for the heat of my trivia stats there. Okay. Um, um, she left that in the same manner Luke left Dagobah as in training's not done yet but stuff's happening I've got to go that's a very good point also how long do you think we she spent on the island it, that's a really good question if you think about her story uh, Force Awakens zipped along so quickly in, a, in like a matter of days it seemed it, I don't think this was over a great period of time because if you look at it the, the whole the big part of the, well, the big part of the plot revolved around um, the rebel fleet being caught and they jumped from light speed to catch them. So I, I think it's only the whole thing over a couple of days. I mean, in, when when Finn and Rose had to go off to get the code breaker, they had about 12 hours to do it. Exactly. So I think it's only over a couple of days. So she can't have been... So in- I, suppose it de- I suppose it depends how long between... Because obviously The Force Awakens ends with her getting to Luke yeah. and it, it depends how long between that happens to where the space battle that Poe's in at the start happens that's that's the time the time difference there I suppose yeah this, I don't think there's much time at all because as we cut away from from the island we're back with the with the fleet yeah who are being pursued they've got some gizmo that allows them to track people who are traveling at warp um, not warp it's not star trek oh sorry at light it's speed warp. it's not warp don't you'll upset people oh with god that. don't upset anyone yeah, don't and upset um, hey, you know I, I i watched them both in fact i've been watching loads of them recently and and uh, and the orville but anyway i'll get into that theirs is called something else as well i can't remember what theirs is called but anyway <laughs> um the holly hop drop no that's red dwarf, no, that's red dwarf. <laughs> yeah but we we get to the to the fleet which has got this weird standoff where they're traveling fast enough to be far enough away from from um the uh what they call the first order yeah and then we get this really odd plot thing where they have to 
go off somewhere to get someone, to bring them back, to do something, to get them on the ship, to do something else. What the, what the, what the thing was, was they did, they, they can be tracked through light speed, so it doesn't matter where they go, they can be tracked by the First Order, but the First Order are only tracking the main ship, the one ship. Yep. So they had to, there was a way of Finn, because he worked for the First Order, so apparently he knows the schematics to every single ship they've ever had because he yep. used to mop the floors there. <laughs> yep. He, 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 he knew of where the computery bit was... <laughs> That you could, if you turned it off, nice it would. Speed it, tracking device. Yeah, he he knew how where that was, and Rose knew how to turn it off. But they needed somebody to get them onto the um, onto the first order ship. So they had to go and get this code code breaker that that Maz Katana, who appeared in a hologram briefly, told them to go and get, and they fucked that up royally. I did have a small nap during the casinos. I'm not going to lie. I, I know you are, you are getting old now, Paul. I am. It was an early showing, and there was a lot of trailer. I slept through the trailers, but Leah woke me up for the film. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's my. Is this two and a half hours? It's a long. It's a three yeah. hour jolly in, in Cineworld. It's really uncomfortable. Yeah. I was speaking to somebody the other day, um, and I remember when the Cineworld where I live used to be an Empire cinema and there were some screenings where you'd go in and it was just trailers and film, no ads. And you and it was brilliant. You'd go in three or four trailers straight into the film. Is it and now, it was none of this. Is it now called a fat. first order cinema? Sorry? I think I have to change it from Empire Cinema to a first order. <laughs> oh very good. Mm. So I am gonna let you guys talk about the casino scene because I, I did have a snooze. Not, none of it worked for me. I thought it was like prequel level stuff there was cgi animals and chases and the plot made no sense because it that part of it because it was just pointless in the end it just um it was also Benicio quite, del toro's character was completely irrelevant and not that good a character i said i did earlier i didn't mind rose as a character i thought it, she was fairly decent but it was just that what she had to do was Crap. The thing that got me about the casino planet was there was that very heavy-handed conversation about the people being really evil and nasty because they're arms dealers. And it, yeah. It all seemed this very kind of heavy-handed anti-capitalist message going on there. And the, on, the only thing that was interesting that came from that was when Benicia Del Toro's character, I can't remember his name. His name is uh, DJ, apparently. That's how he's credited. Yeah. Which is, which but, is, you know, he, he was making the point that Look, those guys, yeah, they've sold arms to the Empire, or well, to the First Order. They've also sold them to you lot. To the Resistance, yeah. And that was the only kind of interesting bit, and they didn't really look at that a lot. Yeah, I caught up. I was by the. I, I was. I, I didn't drop off for too long. I was there when they, um, when they met up with Benicio del Toro and, and got and tried, got him to come, tried to get him to come along and help them out and stuff. You didn't miss, yeah. But I thought the, the one thing about the, the casino planet, I didn't have any problem with the actual plot of them going there. They had to give them something to do. It was more the way they spent the time running around the corridors like a pair of teenagers. Like, yeah. Try and stay undercover. And yeah. you had BB-8 rolling around. And I like BB-8, but he kind of, you know, you got to blend in a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, the CGI llama chase, not crazy. Not and there was there was just the sort of the hammered home bit about the those kids they're bit they're slaves and trying to ignite hope in them and all this kind of stuff that that, that didn't really work no, it for did me either. Coming to play at the end, 
it did. Um, it seemed a bit strange seeing them at the end playing with Star Wars toys as well. <laughs> Taking product placement to a whole new level. Yeah, very but meta. We, but this does lead on to um, characters dressed up as Imperials First Order um, being somewhere they shouldn't do, which is always good, good fun and a nod to the originals. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, I, I want to mention um, Supreme Leader Snoke. Mm. Now, I, I, I have a real issue here because in the first film, you've got this shadowy sort of character in, in a fuzzy video, almost like the old sort of emperor. And the first time we see him in this film was again as a hologram, wasn't it? And yeah. He, and he sort of, through this hologram and through the Force, like controlled, you know, he put him on the floor and spun him round and threw him about and it was it was kind of like you know when vader when he was in i think it was in empire wasn't it he threw you know he, he wasn't even on the same ship as one of the generals had messed up and he choked them and then put one of the others in charge yeah but that was the point i was going to make you've got this shadowy figure you've only seen as a hologram suddenly you get you get to, to see him you meet him and he and you know, he's, enga- he's engaging with the characters in the story and the next minute the fucker's dead yeah, that was that came out of nowhere, didn't it? Came out of nowhere. That, he didn't. Even that get really out. came out because the thing even was, get out he's, of his chair, he's, did he? We know, we know. He, I thought he was quite good as you know the character, and it was in in that film you could see the way he was manipulating um, Kylo Ren and Rey, and you could see, and it was quite, it was interesting, it was good, it was like having a, a kind of another version of the Emperor there, but for him to go that quickly, because I suppose the other thing is, is, is his backstory. No one knows who he is, what he's about, where he's from. Yeah. All we know is that he saw the Empire rise and fall, so he's at least as old as, you know, he's at least as old as the Phantom Menace, you know, however long that is before the events of this film. We know nothing about him except that that, and he's obviously quite in tune with the Force and the dark side. And now you just think, we're never going to know anything about him. we might find out in the next one. There might be some further backstory about who he... Well, there'll be some novel that they release. Yeah, I don't but care once that. he's dead, did you hear? Does anyone really care? And more importantly, well, if you're doing a trilogy, you, you kind of the 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 baddie, for a better word. He he's the guy who gets it last in the final act in the third film. Yeah, <laughs> not, yeah but not what, middle way through the second. I liked it because it was so unexpected. There were so many sleight of hand and misdirections and surprises. Yeah, it was great. The only the, the only way they can really ex- the only really that, way they can really explain. Snoke now is sort of in uh, the, the final film, episode nine, is if, um, you know, they're just sort of, Kylo Ren is talking, or or maybe even Lucas, a force ghost, or someone is talking and say, you know, um, Stoke saw the Empire and he, he came from here and he saw this happen and this is why he did this and this is why I believed in him and all this kind of stuff. And Yeah, it, it can be explained in a few lines of dialogue. But as I said, it was weird not to see that very important character not even stand up. Like he spent his whole time sitting down. Yeah. But what I will say about him was, and this is something that I don't often, not very positive about, I thought the CG on Snoke was outstanding. Some of the we had you had you had Andy Serkis playing him though, didn't you? So his motion capture stuff is always capture. always excellent. So yeah, but it's not even him. It's the it's the actual way that, that the animators did the mouth because that's so difficult to get. Yeah, it, it looked like a combination of practical and CG. So yeah, ten out of ten for for the Snoke effects. I liked his um, you know having all those um, guards in oh. there as well that were I assume that when Luke said you know some of the some of my 
New Jedi order left with Kylo Ren and the rest he killed. I assume they were the ones that went with him. So, yeah, it's good to see them do something. Because the yeah. Emperor had a couple of Imperial Guards who just stood there and never did anything. They all, but they always looked so no. like cool. But also, they, the other thing about the Snoke scene was the actual set design, like that, that red room. Yeah. Stunning, especially on the big screen. And that was one of the best parts of the film, wasn't it? The, that, that whole scene of those three in that room. And, and the fight was... after as well. The choreography was really good. Yeah. With the two of them back to back. Yeah. Working yeah. together. Fantastic. Um, what, what, did we, what did we think of Adam Driver? I think, I, I think he's... Are you warming to him? Because, you know, I'm, I'm not... I just... It's just that irritating bloke out of girls. And I was actually thinking, at least he doesn't take his top off in these films. Oh, uh, he does now. He did, yes. Oh, is that, well, I, is that something I think he's, he's I think he's fine because in some ways he is meant to be this big, intimidating bad guy. Um, and he obviously is. If you're in the first order, you're, you're certainly intimidated by him. But he's also meant to be this really conflicted person who's still on the cusp of the dark and the light. If you want to look at the force in that way, um, he, you know, he almost turned back uh, in the Force Awakens. Han almost got him to come back with him. There's a lot of conflict in there. He's not meant to be like the Emperor or even Darth Vader for the majority, except for the last sort of act of the Return of the Jedi, Darth Vader's this intimidating, all-evil bad guy, and so is the Emperor. Kylo Ren's not meant to be that. He is meant to be intimidating, but he's not. He's, he's meant to have conflict and issues and, you know. Yeah, no, I, I, I guess so. I just, I just find him... I've always found him really irritating because he always plays the same character in in every thing I've seen him in and, and this is no exception really irritating weird prick <laughs> uh, I, I, like, I like him I think Kylo Ren's an interesting character and I've only seen him in this and I think he was in a Coen Brothers film as well wasn't he and that's that's it mm. but um, what do we make from that scene then as well the end of that kind of throne room scene of um, the, the, the reveal that Ray's parents were nobody um, I, do you know what? I, I think I was glad. Well, not nobody. Not that she didn't have parents. Like yeah. you know, like like yeah, um, Anakin was created by the Force. Like they were not anyone of any significance. There were hints of a reveal, and then the reveal was there's no reveal. Yeah, yeah, which I like. And yeah, I, yeah I, I mean, I'm kind of. I still think from what you saw in the Force Awakens when she got given Luke's lightsaber and there was that whole thing of her flashback and you could hear Yoda's voice and Obi-Wan's voice and all of that in these visions that she was having. I still think that, I still think there's a chance and it wouldn't surprise me if it turned out that that, that, that was a bluff from Kylo Ren. He was trying to get her to join him by saying, you're not special. There's nothing special oh. about you. Like you think there is come and join me you know you're I, I can we can rule the galaxy together there's nothing special about you your parents weren't anyone you've got no destiny there's I, there's a part of me that thinks that but part of me thinks no it's almost better for her parents not to be anyone because it's like it's then like well the force is for anybody you know anybody could be fine you don't have to be a skywalker or a kenobi or, or whatever to be a strong person in the force no they don't because they reinforce that at the end with that yeah. kid the broom yeah 
Right, yeah, and also I think a lot of the hype about oh, who who are Ray's parents wasn't coming from uh, the Lucasfilm. It was coming from nerds on YouTube. And well, every, everybody. It seemed from the Force Awakens that everybody had to be related to someone because everyone was speculating. Well, in, in the build-up to the Force Awakens, they did. I think it J.J. Abrams did say we've deliberately not given Ray and Finn surnames because their parents are somebody. I think he hinted at that. And so everyone's saying, well, Finn, well, whose parents can Finn be? Well, there's only ever been two other black guys in these films. So he's either Lando's son or he's Mace Windows, who's the descendant. <laughs> so it's, Imagine you know, if they cut away to Darth Vader hanging out the back of a hooker. Yeah. And that was her mum, and you know Vader was had, had gone down for some shore leave and tupped her. <laughs> oh, that would have my eyes would have rolled out. No, well, mind you, he, he, I don't think he had much of a willy left no, after. It got burnt off on the but, planet. Yeah. <laughs> if, he, if, if his legs got burnt off, that definitely got burnt off. <laughs> We've kept it in one of those BAFTA tanks or whatever they're called. It's just floating around. We, like we, we deal with the real Star Wars Star Wars issues on this podcast. <laughs> did, did Darth Vader still have a functioning penis or not? I don't... Yeah, but I mean, as well as that, you must think that what did what did the Emperor and, and Darth Vader do for fun? They must have they must have oh. done something for fun. They must have. It can't have all been just yeah. killing people, subjugating rebellions, and and you know murdering younglings. They must have had. Like at some point, a day off where they went and did something they enjoyed, like they went and watched a pod race, or they went and no. they went and went to you know what do they do for fun. I think you. What are they doing? There? I think you're underestimating the Sith. I don't think they do anything for fun. I really. Everyone, has, everyone <laughs> no. has an off day, don't they? Everyone needs to ch- everyone needs to chill out for a day. You know, did the Emperor ever have a duvet day? <laughs> Bit of downtime. Yeah. Just like, I can't be bothered today. I'm gonna. I don't have to call in sick. I'm in charge, but I'm just not doing anything today. I'm just gonna stay in bed and do nothing. Surely. <laughs> well, that's. To, to, I, mean, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but the the, um, the Star Trek spoof series, um, the Orville, it, is it does it takes space, but then adds in real world problems and issues and, and things like that. But. And do you know what? I don't want Star Wars to do that, and that's why I didn't like some of the comedy and stuff like that. And I, I want Star Wars to remain fairly, you know, serious and and, and um, you know, almost boring in a way. I don't want these people like chasing tail and stuff. I want you, you them... want you want Senate meetings and exactly um, yes trade embargoes trade, trade embargoes yes. yes. <laughs> like we all. It's what these last few films have missed. It's just endless Senate meetings. <laughs> um, so um, where, where, where have we got to in the story? Um, we've come back from the casino. Um, I suppose we've realised that's all going wrong. Um, so, yeah, Laura, Laura Dern is where we've got to. I thought that was a strange one because just because soon soon as um, uh, Poe was his name, is that his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The way he speaks to her, I thought, yeah, that that that's that's not gonna that's not gonna wash, not in this day and age. So she's gonna do something incredibly noble and heroic, and he's gonna be proved massively wrong. Yeah, but it was just like, fine if she'd done that, fine, she can still have her heroic moment. But why did she just tell people what the plan is? Like, yeah, it, just it, actually it was, tell everybody yeah. you've you've only got four hundred people on that ship. Tell them what's going on, like because then because then you can just say that's what we're doing. If you haven't got a better idea, we're doing it, or give me a better idea. 
and we'll do that instead. I'm going to go out on a limb here and be really un, uh, really unpopular, but I think they are slightly overcomp- overcompensating for sort of strong female characters. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought that... What did you actually think of, of her heroic moment? Oh, I, thought it, I thought it was quite good. Yeah, I thought it was fantastic. You know, the the, the whole ploy of jumping into light, light speed... Mm. Through. Into the yeah, into, yeah, yeah, it was amazing. I thought, I thought it was, I thought it looked brilliant. I thought it was a good, good way to do it. You know, it, it gave her her moment. Um, I suppose the thing would have been if, if we I'd rather have happened. seen, I would rather have not seen that moment coming than have a really clunky way to engineer that moment. To yeah, it, it was, it was, it was telegraphed, but like. Mm. Yeah, I thought it looked good, and it was a good. It was. A it good... sounded amazing. It was just like it was almost yeah. silent before yeah. that. Yeah, it was beautiful. Um, yeah, and then then we kind of get into the final, final part of the film, don't we? The final act onto the planet uh, salt, whatever it's called. Yes, the old the old base. Um, memories of Hoth. Memories sure, yes. of memories of Hoth, and. Um, do you yeah. know what my favourite thing about that whole final scene? The red. I know the, it's supposed to be salt. Yeah. Is it, is it sand under salt? That the red on, on the landscape. I think you said it's. I think it was salt because didn't didn't the um. Yeah, they say it's did, salt. Did, didn't that guy the, the the whoever it was one of the one of the rebel leaders he um he stood out of the trench didn't he and there was a red footprint under him and I think. Yeah. I think you know the other really? rebels must have thought that he picked up an injury and that was blood pooling, and the guy put his finger in, didn't he, and takes no salt. I'm I'm not a chemist, so if any of our uh, listeners are, I'd love to know where the red relates to salt um, and the chemical reaction. Is that heat? What 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 is that that's causing it to go red? Oxidization. What I'm going with? Till I get a better answer. I don't know. Dave, talk to me about oxidising salt. Well, for a start, look, don't forget, (laughs) it is a galaxy far, far away, so things are very, very different. But I think you're right. Wasn't it red sand under white salt? I can't, yeah, it could have been. I don't know. It looks, it looks good though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. As a visual, it was stunning. Yeah, and I I like you know their um, just the amount of um, the, the the first order walkers coming down and. Yeah, the, 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 it was very much like Hoth, mm. wasn't it? Because the what, they, the what they should, what they actually should have done was, I know it wouldn't have kicked up the red as much, but what they should have done is, uh, is had those, um, those the ships that the the resistance were in trying to to fight them. They should have had those as the old snow speeders, just like battered up versions of them. Yeah, because those those ships they use, are, I mean, they are proper old rickety yeah. things, aren't yeah. they? So I didn't quite like. Yeah, they're really falling apart. Yeah, but that that whole scene looked good. Um, I liked I'd liked Luke coming back uh, at that point. Uh, the whole kind of reveal about him actually physically not being there. Oh no! But did you think he was there to start with? Uh, yeah. So, well, I did, but okay. I always because because he went Leia's, and spoke to, to thought... Leia and three PO and everything. So I thought he came in. So I thought, well, yeah, he's actually there. He, Again, he is have... this a, a new level of of force? projection that we've obviously not seen before but have they gone from you know we talked earlier about people being able to communicate and how they that, that well, went from, was, from glimpses to full-blown conversations yeah, but the, 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 thing, the thing is as well i suppose is if you look at the prequels okay you had an established jedi order um but, it, but if you look at the original trilogy you you didn't have many jedi and luke was learning all the time and his master's would, would 
getting killed quite quickly. So they couldn't actually teach him much. There's probably a lot of the force that he's learned, you know, in the intervening years. Yeah. So, yeah. Reading those Jedi books is probably a page yeah. to do that in, in the in the instruction. Mind you, he did, he did say to Yoda, "I've only flicked through." Them. Oh yeah, <laughs> Yoda, oh, yeah. Have, you actually, have you actually read them? I've had a flick through. Oh, yeah. Didn't Yoda say a uh, uh, page turner? They are not. Yes, which, which again Indeed. is a modern joke, which hadn't only usually been seen before. But the other thing about Luke was, and I think you have to go back and see it again. He didn't make any footprints in the Sultan. Did he, did he not? No, he didn't. Which, uh, which, uh, which, and maybe yeah. that's why the footprint exa- at the start exactly. was such a thing. I think it was all very intentional. Gotcha. No, I didn't even pick up on that. But I did I did like... Nothing's the... done without a reason in yeah. these films. No, Everything did... was done for yeah. the, the very... Because you've got a finite amount of time. Everything's planned out. So now you've said that, Dave, that footprint yeah. is absolutely white. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also the fact that he appeared at the back of the cave... And then they realise they couldn't get out. And then you start thinking, well, how did Luke get in? And, of course, then it's all... Yeah, of course. Ryan Johnson, the writer and director, he's a a clever man. He knows exactly Mm. what he's doing. I'm I'm quite happy that he's got... I mean, really, it won't make a part of the suit until I know what the subject matter of that trilogy is going to be, the trilogy that he's doing. Um, Because he's been given his own Star Wars trilogy, hasn't he? Apparently so. Um, but, you know, I'd like to know what the subject of that would be because they've just said it will be about characters and a part of the galaxy that we haven't seen before. But, yeah. So we're, um, we're, in, we're only on number two, aren't we, of the next trilogy? Yes. Yes. So what the fuck are they going to do for the third? I mean, for, I mean, for our generation... Well, yeah, hang on, wait, let's, let's, let's get to the end of okay. this film first. So I, I quite... Because I actually thought... Because I didn't pick up on what David picked up on the, the the footprint and him coming back to the cave. So when they opened fire on him, I actually thought that was him gone. And I thought, that's a terrible way to get rid of him. Oh, that, that would have been <laughs> awful. Because <laughs> like, you see, like, the red blow up when the first laser hits where it, where he stood. Yeah. You hear all this, see all this red kick up, and I thought, well, he's just been incinerated. Yeah, he's yeah. gone. No, I and thought then, he'd flown up in the air and was on a cliff somewhere. Well, and thought, then, I thought then, just, gonna... then, just, then just see him keep firing and firing, and then him just walk out of it. That was a good, well, good scene. Remember at the beginning of Force Awakens when Kylo Ren stops that laser in midair? Yeah. I thought Luke might do a version of that where he's basically stopped all of those lasers in midair and was just then going to fly them back. If you see what yeah. I mean. Yeah, that would have been. Um, but then. What did, you, what did you think about the. the you saw the, the shoulder thing. Yeah. Oh, you mentioned that earlier. It's fine. Yeah. It's a little, little touch. It's a little moment. It's the kind of thing that Bond would do, or, or any kind of action hero. M- maybe Luke wouldn't do it, but it's fine. It, it, like, I did. I did like the the whole reveal when he wasn't actually there. Like you know, he yeah. was, he physically wasn't yes. there. Because it really. But the whole interaction with between him and Kylo, Kylo Ren is is so that's his uh, nephew. Uncle and, uncle yeah. and nephew, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But then, but then Luke, Luke's gone. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Pissed me off yeah. so much. Really? Yeah. Anticlimactic. I just, as much as I like the the, the kids who are coming through, I just I need I need some anchor from 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 the past for me to be really engaged with them. But I suppose they did that because from from the conversations. That I read about around this film. So, by the time they wrapped this, and by the time it's finished filming and all ready to go, Carrie Fisher unfortunately died. Mm-hmm. 
but she had, you know, she said to um, JJ Abrams and is it Kathleen Kennedy? Yeah. The she she said to them something like, um, right. So the, the the Force Awakens was was um, Harrison's film. This one was Mark's film. That last one better be my film. And they were like, yeah, it's going to be oh, like she no. was going to be. A, she was meant to be like a big big part of that episode nine. And now now she never will be. Yeah, I, know, but... I did. I did like the. I did like when Luke came back and saw her, and she said, "I've changed my hair." I thought that was quite funny. I thought that was a joke that landed. It was a good joke, but I also thought she was because she hasn't seen her brother for a very long time. I thought there might have been a, a, a bit. But maybe, of a reaction but, but maybe she knew that wasn't him because we know that she can uh, use the force and fly through the air now. Very true. So, <laughs> yes. so maybe, maybe she knew that actually wasn't him physically. But I, I touched upon this a second ago. But for our generation, or well not including you obviously Steve but you know in a way you've, you've, you've Han's gone yeah Luke's gone Leia's genuinely gone I can't believe they didn't at least change it so Leia went and Luke stayed so at least you've got because what's going to happen Luke hasn't, the next... Luke, Luke hasn't gone He's gonna be he's gonna be he back be with back. a blue haze. I don't want a blue. I don't want a blue haze. <laughs> that doesn't count. But there is a Skywalker left. There's Ben Solo. There's Kylo Ren. He is now. It's now about him, isn't it? It's going to be his there's, story. I guess so. But there's Clive Skywalker, his sort of third oh, cousin. Yeah, we, don't, we don't talk he's about a, Clive. He's a plumber on Tatooine. Yeah, oh, that idiot. <laughs> he thinks no his moisture Clive. farms for a living. <laughs> and then, and then one day we'll find out he's like fifty odd now. But one day he'll he'll just it will just sort of tune into the force. He'll be standing there. I need that. I need that wrench. And it will just sort of come over to it'll be a bit, Jesus Christ, and it'll be yeah, Clive Skywalker. I just feel I just felt almost deflated at the end. It's, it is the end of a end of an era. No, because Lando's coming back. They've not announced that. I'm just he just must be. He must be. Billy must D's be. Billy D's got nothing on. But would you have preferred, knowing um, that Kerry Fisher's no longer with us, that 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 was her? You know, they they wrote her out of the film. I still, I still would have liked to have seen Luke back. Luke go in the final film. Yes, um, but it didn't it didn't overly annoy me. But I would have liked to have seen him go at some point in the final film, doing something properly heroic. Or, but because he's not, he's not had his massive lightsaber fight that we we're all expecting. No, no. But also, the other thing about Leia was that no one knew Carrie was going to die. Looking, yeah. If they'd done it it's a difficult. It's a difficult situation for everyone. They could have finished they, her they, off this, in the this, film. If yeah, the film was well past finished filming when it happened, and they're obviously quite happy with the film. It's, I mean, the question is, how do they, how do they rise her out of it now? Because they said they won't kill her off. Uh, they're not going to kill her character off, I don't think. But also, they're not going to CGI her in like they did with Peter Cushing, or even like they did with Young Lair in Rogue One. Even though her brother and her daughter have said they'd be okay with that, they said, "Yeah, that's fine. You can, if you want to use her images and whatever, you want to do that. That's absolutely fine." But the thing I'm with Luke is, assuming he Carrie Fisher would have loved that. It, it, all they had to do was cut out two seconds of footage of Luke disappearing into a, a, a yeah. an empty dressing gown, and that could have left left them open to explore different possibilities going forward. Yeah, it wasn't a massive edit, was it? No, um, I mean, assuming they've got planned what's going to happen in episode nine, but, but what do we think is going to happen? Because we know we've obviously we've got well, to the end of this film now. Before what, we, not quite, not quite. How in 
right at the end, because they, they, they're, they're in the Millennium Fog and they're talking about, um, you know, how's, how's the resistance going to continue? And Carrie Fisher says, oh, you know, we have all the ingredients here to, to, for that to happen. They've just got they've just got Chewie flying the Falcon with a couple of space penguins. Yeah, but then you... you oh, don't. But then you... I did find. I did think it was. Fu- I did think it was funny when Chewie was eating them, though. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> that, was, that, that was funny. How in fact, the, the fact the bits he was in, I liked. Sorry. How much time has passed from that from the Falcon to that kid with the with the Rebel Alliance ring and the broom? Oh, I see. It was... What he's saying is that just us being being here and, and, and our story is enough for the rebellion to continue and flourish. And then it cuts to that kid with the ring. Is is that supposed to be 20, 30 years down down the line? No, it was there and then because we saw that kid. Yeah, he was. He was. Oh. You, you were asleep, weren't you, Paul? Yeah, you sleep. Just during. <laughs> yeah, you saw that kid earlier at the beginning of the llama chase. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah it was that. Okay, that was on the casino. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I fell asleep through that bit. Okay. So there's no time passed then. No. (laughs) (laughs) That'll teach me. Yeah. um, Yeah. So. uh, Yeah. So where where do we see episode nine going? Oh, it's it's impossible to tell. There was. It is, isn't it? There's no. There's no. You know, the the resistance will obviously be built back up to a level where they can take on the first order. Something will happen. To, to give them some kind of military army force maybe, that can maybe that's that where can, Lando comes in. He's he's maybe raising an army somewhere. Well, do, we, do, do we think somebody? Do you think some? We will we will see coming, but I I think Lando will come back, especially now, especially now Carrie Fish is gone, and I know Mark Hamill will definitely be back as Luke as a force ghost or whatever. But you know. <sighs> I think he, I think he will come back in that film. In what capacity, I don't know. But I mean, yeah. I think I, Kylo Ren will will make a new Vader mask. Well, he he can do what he wants now. He's not got Snoke manipulating him, so he is. And I think the Irish fellow with the with the ginger hair, he'll get his comeuppance. Yeah, he what, could, uh, Oh, we didn't we didn't talk about um we didn't talk about Captain Phasma dying, or, or has she? Well, I mean, she's yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if she managed to get out of that somehow. She's covered in chrome. Mm-hmm. It's good protection. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh, yeah, she fell down that thing. You didn't see her actually yeah, die. Yeah. It just seemed a bit of a, a stupid way to shoehorn her in, and then. But yeah. But she makes a great toy, I assume. Well, yeah. I did, I've read as well. Apparently, that Prince William and Prince Harry cameoed as stormtroopers uh, in this I've as well. Read, I've read that they haven't. No, I thought I read they had. No, I, thought, I heard it was a room, but I ha- I have also heard that uh, someone, Gary Barlow did. Uh, worse, <laughs> worse. James Jimmy Savile. James Corden. Oh fuck yeah. off! I, I, I think you're a little bit too fat to be a stormtrooper. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I hate all that. I really, really yeah. winds me up. Like yeah, celebrity cameos buying themselves into a role. Although that said, didn't uh, wasn't Tom Hardy rumored to be a stormtrooper as well? Yeah, and Daniel Craig was in the uh, in in Force yeah, Awakens. That was just stop it. You don't I need know. to do this. Uh, uh, Gareth Edwards, director of Rogue One, was a uh, was on the, the Salt Planet. That's a bit different. If you're directing one of them, you know, yeah, ah, that's all right. If you're actually putting some work into one of the other films, yeah, you've got a legitimate yeah. reason. There's a proper connection. Yeah. So where 
where would you rank this amongst the, the, the three new films? And I, obviously in, in line with the other uh, seven. I would say of the third of the three new ones, this, this is the third best. I thought I thought The Force Awakens was just so much fun and a great way to get back into Star Wars. Like a lot of people had lost faith with from the prequels, and you know when Disney bought it, and you think, do we really want them doing stuff with it? Why can't they just leave it alone? But then they came back and made that. I know it was almost beat for beat a remake of A New Hope, but it was just so much fun. It was so enjoyable, and it was just it was just Star Wars and Rogue One. I thought was just really clever for like a film that wasn't part of the main saga, the Skywalker saga, but it, it told an important story about how they stole the Death Star plans. It did it in a really clever way, a really good way, and it was interesting. The characters were good. It looked really good. You know, it had that, probably the one of the, probably the best Darth Vader scene in any film we've seen. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just thought it, it was... So I think The Last Jedi, while well, I liked it, I thought it was good. It's third best out of the new ones. Dave? Uh, as you remember from the first time, our first podcast, I didn't like Force Awakens that much when we first saw it and we spoke about it. I saw it again on the big screen and I've seen it several times on DVD and I now really, really love it. Rogue One we saw last year and I haven't had any desire to go back and see that again, which I, says, which I think says quite a lot. And I really, really want to see Last Jedi again. At the moment, it's just behind Force Awakens for me. What what would you say, Paul? Uh, same as you, Steve. Actually, I've got them as, as 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 one, two, three, exactly the same as you. I thought this was the weakest, but I applaud it for. Although it still did template off Empire significantly, I did applaud it for for trying new and different stuff. And I hope for the next one, if I see any Ewoks, I'm going to fucking pull the seat out of the cinema and throw it at the screen. Well, we've got Porgs now, haven't we? No. <laughs> Is that is that the penguin things? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like no. to have sent you back and get one of those and fuck it. <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious when he was when he was roasting one. <laughs> Not spit roasting it like Paul. Mate, did your did your audience all start going? Oh, yeah, they, they oh. did. They did. No. Like, yeah. Really? Yeah, the one I was in did, and I was my eyes nearly rolled out the fucking top of my head. Would, would uh, the, uh, the monks on the uh, the Jedi planet, as, uh, the Jedi Island, as well, or the fish monks? Yeah, they were right, weren't they? Yeah, right. they're just, they're just interesting. You know what? You know why? Why are they caretakers? If they, you know, should Luke and Ray been having to a bit more of a chat at them if they're looking after the oldest Jedi temple, knocking about? Perhaps, yeah, <laughs> should probably have a little bit of a conversation with them. <laughs> But yeah, so that, that's the last Jedi. And maybe ne- next, we got isn't there a Han Solo film next? Han Solo origin story next, which just seems pointless to me. Yeah, no one's oh. looking forward to that. No, I don't. They don't need to do origin stories for any of these characters. We know Han Solo is a smuggler, and he's, he's got to get the Kessel Run though. Oh, yeah, but you know that, he's doing it. <laughs> that'll just that'll just be space fast and the furious, won't it? They'll probably make it into yeah. some race while there's a load of other ships doing it as well or something. They're going to build to that. Well, like all we know is he's, he's a smuggler, he's cool, he's got a black mate and a hairy mate. Yeah. This is all you need to know about him, really. You just reminded me, actually, I, when I saw The Last Jedi, I went with my hairy mate and bumped into my black mate. So <laughs> I, I was Han Solo. <laughs> 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 
this part of the podcast, we said, like we said at the beginning, we are going to go through our five favourite films from the five years that Failed Critics has been going, and also do our one worst one as well. Um, I'm not quite sure how the rest of you have, have done this. I've picked one film from every year except 2017. So I've done 2012, 13, 14, 15, 16. I picked one film from each of those years. Uh, we'll do this in the, the round robin format. Dave, uh, would you like to start us off? Okay, I'm gonna, uh, yeah, I'd love to go first. I haven't done mine like you. I haven't done one from every year. Uh, I've done it in reverse order. So my fifth choice of best film of the year, uh, best film of the last five years, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master, which, I, which when I first saw it, I found it a very difficult film to get into, but I've been back and seen it several times, and I think it's a stunning bit of work with an incredible performance from... Wacken Phoenix and from Philip Seymour Hoffman and Amy Adams. Uh, fantastic film. Okay. Yeah, it's fucking long, I know that. That's <laughs> <laughs> not much probably of a contribution, the, is it? the same length as Last Jedi. But of course, that's fucking there, long as well. No uh, lightsaber fights in The Master. Okay. Uh, Paul? Well, I've gone for a, a documentary, which I know, I think Dave has seen. In fact, I know you've seen as well, Steve. And that is uh, David Farrier's exploration of the world of competitive tickling. Oh. And tickled. Tickled. Yes, <laughs> yes you put me onto that. Good choice. It's, um, I think it's on Prime Video as well. So if you haven't seen it, you should absolutely watch it. Cause it and perfect for this segment, because the less you know the more fun the film is. So on that note, I shall shut up. Yeah. Um, I'm going to... Well, my first film comes from 2012, which is the year that we got um, failed critics going. Uh, it's it's the Avengers Assemble, and it's partly because it's the, it's the, the second film we ever reviewed on the podcast, and it was the first big film that we reviewed on the podcast. So it kind of holds that in it for me but also it had a lot of superhero films come out good bad indifferent but this was for me still probably the best of them um it was a lot of fun it pulled in all these characters together it it worked on pretty much every level that holds it, it's in there for two reasons one because it was a bit of a nostalgia because it's kind of where we started this podcast and two because it's probably the best that kind of superhero film What's your number four then, Dave? Number four is the only film from the last five years to make me cry my eyes out like an absolute baby. Ooh. And I and I thought I was just taken by surprise and I watched it again a couple of days later and it had exactly the same effect. And that is the film Creed, the uh, Rocky spin-off. I think it's an amazing bit of work and I don't quite know how they pulled it off. I remember when they announced it, I thought, well, who wants to see a Is this the one where he's running along and all the skateboarders are running along with him? Well, that's one part of it, yeah. That's not the entire... You movie. cried during Creed? I cried at the end of Creed. I thought it was a, a remarkably well-made film. Um, it took me by surprise. Yeah, I, I think it's a fantastic film. And I don't, like I say, I don't know how they did it. Like, it's not like incredible cinematography or great performances. It's just a... Very well told film, and Stallone was wonderful. What's the name of the guy that plays Apollo Creed's son? Uh, Michael B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I thought he was great. 
no, I do you know. I, I really, really enjoyed it. I, I did. I didn't get that emotional response, and I, I'm, I'm actually shocked that yeah. that's in your list. I'm, I'm really too. pleased, to be fair. Yeah. But yeah, that's, um, that's my number four. Oh, your number four. My <clears throat> number four is a small um, uh, Dutch film set in the Calvinist community about a, a, a widower who befriends a guy who's got brain damage and it's called Matterhorn um, it's, I, I've, I've, I've droned on about this on the podcast um, in the past I think it, it's an incredible film this generally does make me cry but it also makes me laugh hysterically and I, if you haven't seen it, it it's not that easy to find to be fair, you're either buying a Dutch DVD I don't think it's on streaming services but um Yes, it's from 2013, um, and it's called Matterhorn. Dave, you've seen this, haven't you? I watched it around at yours, yeah, and I'd like to see it again because I think there was it was one of those days where there was a lot going on around yours. Yeah. So I didn't quite get into it. It was entertaining and it was funny. I remember it being quite funny. And, um, yeah, interesting choice. But I think you must be the only person to, <laughs> to rate Matterhorn that highly. Yeah, pretty much. This is like 1,500, although it's got a really high IMDb score. And there's plenty of 10 reviews for it. Yeah. I just think nobody's seen it. Um, my fourth pick is 2013. It is Rush, the Formula One um, biopic of uh, James Hunt and Nicky Lauda with um, uh, uh, Chris Hemsworth as, as Hunt and Daniel Bruhl as, as as louder i thought it was just exciting um looked really good i thought it was quite a good look it's not many good sport like really really good sports movies especially recently Mm. Uh, i just thought that was really good um made a sport that i genuinely find quite boring quite interesting and that rivalry between the two of them yeah i'd agree i i'm not a big formula one fan but i really really enjoyed that i thought it was yeah yeah Rush nearly made my worst film of the last five years, so that's very interesting that you, that you both like it that much. Okay, uh, Dave, your third pick. My third film is Mike Lee's Mr. Turner. I thought it, Timothy Spall has never been better, and it was also the best uh, sort of British period film since Barry Lyndon. The cinematography knocked my eyes out. It was just all round fantastic film either of you two seen Mr Turner I, I've not seen it it looked, no. it looked costumey it, it is very costumey but it's just superb do you know what on, on your recommendation Dave I will app, anything that comes up in this discussion that I haven't seen I promise I will same yeah I'll make a pledge to do that Steve won't Paul <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, your third choice is a uh, little known Russian documentary crime drama um, called Credit for Murder uh, made by a guy called Vladi Antonovich um, and it investigates the world of Russian neo-Nazis Um just for the one scene alone, to ingratiate himself with these fucking horrendous people, he lets them shoot him. He puts on a bulletproof vest in the woods and lets these racist fuckers shoot him. What, a documentary? Yeah. Does it for real? Oh, right. Yeah, absolutely for real. Wow. 
it's a, I, I chatted online with the guy who um, made the film. It's got 33 people have seen it, according to IMDb. And um, I said, well, you know, why is it not in Storyville? Because this is a absolutely perfect Storyville film. And apparently they, they viewed it and passed on it, which is incredible. But it's from 2015. It's called Credit for Murder. I think you can rent this on Vimeo for like a couple of quid. And it's absolutely amazing. You should definitely, definitely watch it. Okay. Uh, My third choice is from 2014. And I'm going there for Guardians of the Galaxy because I just thought it was incredible fun. It was the most Star Wars thing I'd seen since Star Wars. It just, I know it's a superhero film, but it was kind of not, it was like a sci-fi adventure. It was just so much fun, so funny, so just loved every minute of it and that's partly why i go to the cinema it is to enjoy myself and have some escapism um although yeah you watch the other type of the grittier and oscar nominated films and all that kind of stuff but you know this that's primarily the reason i go to the cinema is to enjoy myself and that i just enjoyed myself constantly for the whole duration of it and that do you know what they um steve brilliant and that's why we do this podcast because everyone likes different stuff but it's like, I it's do, like, I really, it's, I love that film as well. But it's like you watch stuff like, say, I'm trying to think of a good example, like, like 12 Years a Slave, I thought was a really good film, deserved all the plaudits it got. I'm never going to watch it again because it was a fucking harrowing watch. And it was just like, yeah, I thought it was really good, but I'm never going to watch that again because it is a, in a lot of ways, I didn't enjoy it. Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy, stuff like that, I watched quite often because it's two hours long and it's fun. Yeah, no, mate, I, I, I'm not, I'm not a film snob, as you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I'll watch, I'll watch fucking anything and everything. So, um, yeah, so no, I'm really, I'm really pleased to see some, some big blockbusters included uh, in, in, in this discussion because none of mine are. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Uh, your second pick. My number two is a film I've been waiting nearly 30 years to see. Uh, I don't do superheroes at all, but I do do Bond, and that's why number two is Skyfall. came out in 2012, and and it just... I can't say too many good things about Skyfall. It is the greatest Bond film I've ever seen. Uh, It it was the best-looking Bond film. The action was incredible. I loved it. I I can't believe how much I love Skyfall. And it's my number two. Okay, well, I, I, yeah, I was just going to say, I um, Skyfall. I I enjoyed that as well. I, I, I'm not mad on the new Bonds. Yeah, You're a big Bond fan, but I really, really enjoy Skyfall. I, I never quite got the hype over Casino Royale. Everyone went crazy for that, and I thought, well, it's, it's good, but it's not what I've been waiting for. But Skyfall had the perfect blend of like the modern post-born identity, gritty stuff. And a bit of the old Roger Moore. Oh, hang on, no wait. Skyfall. What's what's is the one after Skyfall? Yeah, Spectre came. Oh no, I like Spectre. I didn't like Skyfall. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I I think we've put it on and turned it off three times. What Skyfall? Yeah, is that the one where he goes to Scotland at the end? Yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't like that. No, that's the one we binned off. That's as far as I've got. That was the one I walked out of at the cinema and went to Asda and bought a toaster. You idiot. Fair enough, but like you say, Spectre. I really, Spectre's really good. Don't worry about Skyfall. Okay. Okay. Um, Paul, your second pick. 
My second pick is an Argentine revenge anthology um, called Wild Tales from 2014, which I know you've both you both seen. No, I, yeah, at least twice. <laughs> have you have you seen it, Dave? I've never heard of Wild Tales. Oh, no. God's sake! I'm writing it down because, as I said, I made a pledge to watch all the films I haven't seen. So credit for me. This is Wild Tales. this is genuinely you've got the i think it's five little sort of vignettes all based around re- revenge and the trouble with anthologies normally is you get a load of filler and one good one these are all fucking amazing and especially the last one where a bride gets wronged on her wedding day and her reaction is absolutely beautiful so you make it a priority to, to watch wild tales if you haven't it's absolutely amazing will do I like, I like a good anthology film. I'll be all over that. Thanks, Paul. You're welcome. Steve, your number two? My number two is uh, from 2015, and that is uh, The Force Awakens, just because a lot of the reason is the same as The Guardians of the Galaxy. I just had so much fun watching it, and all this trepidation about them kind of not rebooting, but making more Star Wars films after Disney bought it off of Lucas. Um, you're thinking, why are they doing it? Why can't they leave it? This comes out and you think, no, actually, do you know what? It was it was good. They were right to do it. I love Star Wars. And if they're going to keep making films like that, Rogue One and The Last Jedi, they can keep making Star Wars films, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, your top pick, Dave? My number one film of the last five years is uh, Under the Skin, which I think Ooh, is the most great choice. It's the most original film I've seen from the last five years. I think it's one of the best science fiction films of the last sixty years. It's up there with like two thousand and one and The Man Who Fell to Earth. I've never seen anything quite like it. That the the music by um, Mika Levy was just mind blowing. Uh, it, it's such a good film. It's atmospheric and weird and interesting and beautiful and odd. Oh, man. It, 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 that's that's why I watch films, for, for films like Under the Skin, where you can watch it and you go, well, I've never seen anything quite like, like that before. Either of you, you both seen it? Yeah, mate, I absolutely yeah. adored it. Did you, uh, did you like it, Steve? Uh, I honestly can't remember. I know I've seen it. I just can't remember, to be honest. There was new stuff it. in it. There was, yes. Um, <laughs> I like Scarlett Johansson driving around in a fucking transit van picking up ugly blokes in Glasgow yeah. is fucking genius exactly and it, do, do you know if it had been sold to me like that I thought there's no way I'm going to watch that but I just happened upon it and also I love Jonathan Glazer that did Sexy Beast and um, what's the other film he did Birth and it was yeah I can't wait for that guy to make another film and um, what's your final pick Paul I, I was just looking on IMDb and I've seen the date of this. So I, I feel I've, I've, I've got, uh, not done a film in the last five years. However, this didn't land outside of its country until um, the last five years. And, and Dave will probably be able to guess what this is because it's um, Frank Harm and Casper Christensen in Clown. <laughs> Which I, there's no way that this was seven years ago that it actually like made it out of Denmark, which is the most inappropriate 
outrageous, filthy, disgusting, depraved comedy <laughs> I have ever or will ever see. And I think it's utterly, utterly brilliant and charming and funny and charismatic. And I could just watch it again and again and again. We had a very good time watching that together, didn't we? A few months. We ago. did. We had a very late I've, night, and we stayed. Up. I've never seen you <laughs> proper like laugh, Dave. Yeah. I mean, actually lose the plot, yeah. laugh, and watching your face that evening when we watched that together was absolute <laughs> joy. And you've got me into the series as a result, and it is just one of the the funniest things I've ever it's, seen. They are just awful, awful human beings, but you love them. Yeah, totally. Have you seen this, uh, Steve? No. Please watch it, please. Okay. I promise you, <laughs> you will fucking love it. Okay. Uh, my final pick then comes from last year, 2016. Um, I didn't see it until this year, actually, but it was Hacksaw Ridge, which I just thought was really, really good. I mean, I haven't seen many good World War Two films of lately, and this was one of them for me it was just really good looked fantastic uh i thought andrew garfield was good um yeah i just thought it was a really interesting story to tell right based on a true story um the mill gibson directed one that- yes that right that's yeah i haven't seen that that's now on my list to watch yeah i really enjoyed that 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 when they're trying to get off that cliff that's the one, yeah. It? yeah yeah oh yeah. my god yeah. Just incredible. He's, uh, he's come so a long intense. way, Andy, um, um, Andrew Garfield. He's come a really mm-hmm. long way. He's a good actor. Yeah, yeah, really good. Yeah. Yeah, so it's about, I mean, people don't know Hacksaw Ridge. It's about, well, it was World War Two, and obviously American, British, whoever, lots of countries, people were conscripted into the armed forces. Um, because of his beliefs, he uh, doesn't kill. He won't even hold a weapon. He won't even hold a rifle. But he won't... Um, he he wants to enlist because he feels that he should help his country and it's not fair for him not it's to enlist. He's a conscientious objector. Yeah, but most conscious objectors don't Sign go up. into the... No, <laughs> or they'll go and do like some kind of administrative work or something like that, like a desk job in the military. They won't... But he he wanted... He, I, think, I think from what I remember of the film and reading about it, he wasn't... He thought it'd be unfair for him not to go to war when all the other lads of his age were having to do it. Um, and he felt like he should be helping his country against the Nazis or against Germany or, or Japan, actually, because it was Japan again in part of the war he was in, I think. Um, but he wouldn't hold a rifle or fire a weapon or harm another human being. Um, so I just thought it was quite, in, you know, quite interesting. Uh, and the film... Yeah, the film was good, really good. Um, right, we're on to our worst films. Oh, um, well. Dave, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I will. Thank you, Steve. I've I've got it down to two because there's one which I just detested, but there was also one which I really, really hated. But that's because I had high expectations for it. Can I do both? Go on. You can. The one I detested was uh, the so-called comedy Ted. The gross, horrible, unfunny piece of shit about the talking teddy bear and Mark Wahlberg. It's one of those films where you watch it, you go, ah, that that's why white men are so hated in this day and age. It's because of just insulting, horrendous, homophobic, misogynistic things like that. It was 
so unfunny. I, I, the only reason I watched it because I was around a friend's house and he wanted to watch it and I was forced into watching it. Uh, uh, it stunk. Dave, Go on. don't watch Ted 2. Well, well that's funny. Yeah, obviously. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I quite like Ted. Okay. I, I knew what I was getting into. In fact, The Guardian had that. As, I think it was number two in their top ten of the year. You're kidding. Just to put, oh, I'm not kidding you. Seriously, have a look. It was definitely in their top ten. However, if you think Ted is reprehensible, yes. you don't want to. Ted too. I fucking hated it. It was everything you just said. Okay. It was vile and disgusting. I will but never. Ted, by comparison, is re- I thought it was really funny. I will never, ever, ever see Ted too. <laughs> <laughs> it would literally kill you. Okay. But and what's, what's what's the other one? Well, the other one that I had such high expectations for going in. And I was Ted. Out... T- was Ted too? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was the Man of Steel, and it's the film that really put me off superheroes for the rest of my life. I, I haven't seen a superhero film since that came out. It, it was a, a mess. It was a well. The, the I can't explain it. Have either of you two seen Red Letter Media's yeah. review of it? Just watch oh no, no. And no. They I know. I know. Owen's editing this, so thankfully you've got this bit in at the end because I think he really liked Man of Steel. I think he did. I think I remember listening to that podcast where Man of Steel was reviewed, and I was amazed that it got such a positive reaction. But no, it was a, a, a nightmare. And uh, Paul, your worst. Well. As you know, I do watch a lot of bad films. You do? So for me to pick a worst of the worst was quite challenging. If I said to you, Gary Bushell, (laughs) if I said to you, Bobby George, (laughs) if I said Willie Thorne and Dave Courtney, would you know what I was talking about? Is there an airport involved? You do know. Yeah. An airport? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Gatwick Gangsters, which doesn't actually feed... I don't think there's an airport in it, which is the least of this film's problems. And, I, I, you know, I've talked about things like Mob Handed and Killer Bitch, and they've been on this podcast many times as being an exponent of so bad they're good because there's so many horrendous, terrible things going on that you can't help but almost sort of enjoy them and laugh at them. Gatwick Gangsters is a car crash of epic proportions made by two heating engineers and their wife. And I feel bad because they've been really nice people. The, the lady who was in it, um, Champagne, uh, Lady Sally Clack. We exchanged a couple of emails before the film came out because um, I, I really wanted to review it. But this is a masterclass in how not to make a film. It makes no sense. The, the plot doesn't make any sense. There is no plot. It's just scene after scene after scene of nonsense. And I, I, it annoys me. People talk about The Room as being, you know, this this masterpiece of so bad it's good. Fuck off. That's actually a film. <laughs> this is a masterpiece in so bad it's good. It's really hard to see. You have to have a, a Microsoft account. You can only rent it from them. But if you get the chance... Please, but for the love of Christ, watch Gatwick Gangsters because it's amazingly bad. Worse than Essex Space Bin. Worse than Essex Space Bin. Worse than Kill Keith. Worse than Kill Keith. God oh, rest his soul. IP. Yeah. 
Dave, I'm not holding you to your thing about you're going to watch everything that's mentioned yeah, that you haven't seen. Yeah, I'm not, I was just thinking that. I'll only watch the good ones that are mentioned, so I will not be watching <laughs> Gatwick Gangsters or even Heathrow Hooligans, the inevitable follow-up. The sequel. Well, well, we had uh, my, my worst film. Um, in, the, in the midst of the uh, FIFA corruption scandal that rocked football and exposed just how corrupt the people who run the beautiful game was Seth Blatter, the man who was at that time president of FIFA, decided to release a biopic of, of, of himself and the beginnings of FIFA uh, called United Passions. Oh. And it was just the worst. There was there was probably better Nazi propaganda <laughs> than this. Like there was because essentially this was a propaganda film for FIFA to try and get people on side with them, and it, yeah, I, I I think I would have got a leaflet dropped dropped of me from Hitler from one of the planes. I would have probably believed that more. Than I would have believed this. I mean, Tim Tim Roth was set flatter in this, and in the same year in Selma he played like a racist senator or like politician in the US and in United Passions he played a more deplorable character (laughs) (laughs) partly my hatred of everything that FIFA stood for and their corruption made this film the worst ever partly the reasons it was made as well it wasn't even like it was an outside company deciding to make a film about Blatter and FIFA and its beginnings Um, FIFA funded this and made this themselves Yes, in association with the Azerbaijan Film Council. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! You, you know why I know this because um, uh, cause a, 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 a pal of mine um, at the time was um, the sports editor at the Daily Mirror, and they asked me to review this film on the basis that I was the only person who'd seen it. <laughs> <laughs> but that article—I I think I'm on Wikipedia now and stuff—as a, as a, an authoritative source on this film. And the article I wrote for The Mirror has been shared tens of thousands of times. Um, it is fucking awful, Steve. It is so bad. Oh, my God. But I think the thing that makes it worse is that, like I said, FIFA funded this. They oh, made yeah. it themselves. It's not, like I said, it's not like uh, it's not like a film studio where, all right, we want to make a like an interesting history, historical sports film. Right, what we do, right, the beginnings of FIFA. Football's the biggest sport in the world. So we'll have a look at how that all became globalised and how the first World Cup was held and how FIFA was formed and everything. And then they got it completely wrong. Or they they got a lot of help from FIFA in making it accurate. So they kind of had to paint FIFA in a good light a little bit. No, it was made by Sepp Blatter for his own propaganda and for his own bloody ego boost and it was just the biggest pile of shite ever yeah I literally I just put on my review and the, literally the closing line is United Passions if your passion is fibs <laughs> <laughs> oh well it's, I've just looked up um, United Passions on IMDB and it's got a meta score of one no I've, I've never seen that it's got one <laughs> one who's voted it one it's Seth. <laughs> Oh <laughs> is it really only got one oh, on meta that must be the lowest metacritic it's got it's, the imdb score is 2.1 which is okay. very very low but yeah meta of uh, of one and yeah Tim, what the hell is tim roth playing at because wasn't he in that other... he admitted that he only did it for the money 
good. Yeah. Have you, you know that scene in the Sim- what a Simpsons episode, is it, when they asked Krusty why he did something, and he said, but let's just say it moved me to a bigger house. <laughs> said, and he said, he said, I'm, I said the, the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet, didn't I? <laughs> and it's essentially that. That's brilliant. <laughs> I'm tempted to see it. It looks so terrible. Oh, and Gerard Depot is in it. Yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah, and, Sa- was, and Sam Neill as well, isn't he? Right. Martin Jarvis. I'd, I'd rather watch that than Gangster, Gangster from Gatwick or whatever it was called. Yes, Sam, yeah, Sam, I'm Sam, Sam. I'm on IMDb. <laughs> it's got the critics' reviews in the <laughs> Daily Mirror. <laughs> Paul, wasn't um, Sam Neill in United Passions as well? Yep. Yep. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, just... he was in Jurassic Park where he had some corrupt billionaire recreating dinosaurs and again set Blatter's the worst of the two of them <laughs> yeah it's Dave it's, it's, it's worth watching just for the it, as Steve said it it really is a throwback to a, to an actual propaganda film from the Second World War <laughs> wow. it's that bad it's just it's, just, it's awful can't wait <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, that brings this podcast to a close. It's been a pleasure, as always, talking Star Wars and other things with you too. And I hope everyone who's listened has enjoyed it. I'm sure we'll be back next year to review the, the Han Solo film in some capacity, whether it's under this banner or not. I'm sure we can uh, get Owen and Tony to allow us to do a podcast on their other website for it. The Failed Critics Podcast is presented by Steve Norman and Owen Hughes with contributions from different guests every week with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com from the track The Bandit remixed by James Yule who you can find at jamesyule.com You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Failed Critics on iTunes and all good podcast apps or you can check us out at failedcritics.com If you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave a rating or a review and why not check out our sister podcasts Character Run and Bill the Mullinger's Underground Nights from the failed media network of podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.